Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome to the beauty of our Catholic heritage. Our host is Father Jacob Shea, a Norbertine father of St. Michael's Abbey in Orange County, California. Father Shea has a great love for our church's heritage. The beauty of our Catholic heritage with Father Jacob Shea. Welcome back to the beauty of our Catholic heritage here with Father Jacob Shea on Spirit-Filled Radio. Today's topic will be about the month of July, and we will speak about the glories of the precious blood, the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this month of July, we have to dedicate everything to the most precious blood of our Lord. And even more important than water, we need the precious blood in order to live. Here we see that we need water for everything. If we go through the day without water, we start getting a headache and we start getting dehydrated, cranky, etc. In the spiritual life, it's the same, right? If we don't have the precious blood, whereupon we can feed our souls with this most beautiful, beautiful sacrament, especially in the sacrament of the altar, then we start going crazy. (laughs) We need the precious blood in order to have a deep spiritual life. And here, for our consideration today, let us consider the work of Mary of Agreda, Venerable Mary of Agreda, in her marvelous work, The City of God. And I want to speak about the transfixion of our Lord's side, when his side was pierced through by a lance. And here, we can see how Venerable Mary of Agreda, she was a Franciscan nun, she received these revelations, and we will see how these revelations really deepen our love for the most precious blood of our Lord. Here we learn about this devotion, especially at the foot of the cross, because so much blood, really all the blood of our Lord, dripped from that cross onto the ground. And here, Venerable Mary of Agreda speaks of her vision of what happened when our Lord's heart was transfixed. And she gives it from the viewpoint of Our Lady and seeing how Our Lady reacted to the transfixion of the Sacred Heart. So you see that it makes sense that the month of July follows the month of June so that we have the devotion of the Most Precious Blood flowing from the Most Sacred Heart of Our Lord, which we celebrated last month. Here we have the the words of Our Lady. Alas, now shall my affliction reach its utmost and transfix my heart. 
Is it possible that the executioners and the Jews are not yet satisfied with having put to death my son and Lord? Shall they now heap more injury upon his dead body? In other words, here they were going to break the legs of the other two who were crucified with Christ. But then upon coming to our Lord, they saw that he was already dead. And so instead they transfixed him in the side to make sure that he had already died. And so here, when we think about this transfixion, we don't realize the depth of suffering that accompanied our lady's heart. Usually we just think that, oh, it was a dead body. Christ felt no pain whatsoever. But here, if you really understand, if I really understand what's happening here, the dead body of Christ is still God and it still and always will be God. And the divine nature is always united to the human nature of Christ, even if that human nature is dead on the cross. And so here you really have to understand that the body of Christ, even the dead body on Christ on the cross is deserving of all praise and adoration. And so here, if the body of Christ is transfixed, if it is done violence, this is a horrible thing, horrible than anything that we can imagine, Uh, more horrible than all the murders of the entire world or all the sins really, you know, put together. Because here you have this violence done upon the body of Christ. And so here, this was something which really almost killed Our Lady. And we see that she only could have been kept alive if God allowed this to be, namely that God kept her alive as our Lord's heart was transfixed. And so in many paintings, if you look up when our Lord is crucified, you will see Our Lady is deathly pale. You'll see that in some of these beautiful Baroque or Renaissance paintings that the face of our Lord is completely white because he's been drained of all his precious blood. It's been poured out onto the ground there. And you'll also see that her face is also the same color. It's just deathly white because as our Lord has died, also Our Lady. And so when her heart is transfixed with such love while our Lord's sacred heart is transfixed. There is such a union of their hearts that she would have died if God did not keep her alive in that transfixion. As you can really hear that mourning in her heart when she says, shall my affliction now reach its utmost and transfix my heart. And so here, um, blessed or venerable Mary of Agreda says, This wounding of the lance, which could not be felt by the sacred and dead body of the Lord, was felt by the most blessed mother in his stead, and in the same manner as if her chaste bosom had been pierced. But even this pain was exceeded by the affliction of her most holy soul in witnessing the cruel laceration of the breast of her dead son. At the same time, moved by compassion and love and in forgetfulness of her own sorrow, she said to Longinus, so Longinus was the Roman soldier who pierced the heart of our Lord, and notice it's not Saint Longinus yet, because he still has to make his conversion. She said to Longinus, the Almighty look upon thee with eyes of mercy, 
for the pain thou hast caused my soul. And so here you see that she's speaking to this Roman soldier and says, you basically have destroyed my heart. You know, you have done violence to my heart by doing violence to the heart of my son. And so what does she say to him? She says, may the Almighty look with eyes of mercy upon you because he just did something unspeakable. He just pierced the heart of our Lord. That was not supposed to happen. But remember, God uses everything for the best. Even the worst things, he turns into the best things. And so Our Lady has mercy and immediately forgives him, right? Even for this huge offense committed against the sacred heart of our Lord, and then consequently against her immaculate heart. Her first response to Longinus is mercy. And so after that, here we have the most miraculous thing, that when our Lord's heart was pierced, we know that blood and water flowed forth. And so here is the recounting that we have from Venerable Mary of Agreda. It says here, for to the mind of this sincerest dove, right, that's talking about Our Lady, the most pure and beautiful of doves. And then she's, of course, imitating the Holy Spirit, who is the dove of doves, right? And so she herself is even called a dove. This injury to the dead Christ weighed most heavily, and the retribution sought by her for the delinquent was one of the greatest blessings. So the delinquent is Longinus, the one who pierced our Lord's heart. Namely, that God should look upon him with eyes of mercy and return blessings and gifts of grace for the offense. Thus, it also happened. For the Lord Savior, moved by the prayer of his blessed mother, ordained that some of the blood and water from his sacred side should drop upon the face of Longinus, and restore to him his eyesight, which he had almost lost. At the same time, sight was given to his soul, so that he recognized in the crucified his Savior, whom he had so inhumanely mutilated. Through this enlightenment, Longinus was converted, weeping over his sins, and having washed them in the blood and water of the side of Christ, he openly acknowledged and confessed him as the true God and Savior of the world. He proclaimed him as such in the presence of the Jews, confounding by his testimony their perfidy and hardness of heart. So in this beautiful vision of Venerable Mary of Agreda, we see into the lives and into the heart of St. Longinus as well as Our Lady there. And we see that here, St. Longinus, as it's revealed to us, he had lost his eyesight. He was a soldier, so probably there was something in a war that he had done or had suffered where he had lost his eyesight. And so when the blood and water washed upon his eyes and he was miraculously cured, then at that point he knew that this crucified one and the one that he had pierced with his lance here was the true son of God. Truly, this is the son of God. And he confessed that right in front of all the Jews and the Pharisees who were there. 
And so you see that this beautiful, beautiful, wonderful blood of Christ, right? The most beautiful, precious blood of Christ affected this conversion in St. Longinus. And so here you see that Our Lady, she prayed for mercy upon St. Longinus, right? Before he was a saint. She prayed for mercy even when he had done something so inhumane against the divine body of Christ, right? That led to that blood of Christ washing over his eye, but most importantly, washing over his soul so he could convert to the true faith and acknowledge the crucified one as God and King of the universe. And so right then and there, he already proclaimed to everybody that this indeed, truly, this is the Son of God. So you see the power of the precious blood of Christ. It is something which can do anything, even in the face of the most suffering. Here Our Lady experienced something where she was transfixed in her heart. And here, you know, St. Longinus would have thought about this afterwards so much that he had pierced the heart of our Lord, but not only that, pierced the heart of the Mother of God right, spiritually and with her connectivity to the Sacred Heart, you know, he would have done violence to her heart also. And even in that moment where Our Lady is basically dead with grief and with so much suffering, she prays for the conversion of St. Longinus through the power of the precious blood, and through that he is converted and brought to the true faith. Here, we must really see that the power of the precious blood can never be doubted, that everything is possible through the power of the precious blood, even when things are so dire, when we feel ourselves that we have been killed by suffering, or we are just completely under the weight of a suffering which has no end, it seems like. Here, we must always invoke the power of the precious blood to save us and also to be that font of mercy for the conversion of sinners. We must indeed pray the litany of the precious blood. If you don't um, know that litany, you should go and find it and pray that litany if you want every Friday of July and really have that great devotion to the power of the precious blood. It is said too that St. Longinus, he took the earth that had absorbed the precious blood of our Lord. So here our Lord was on the cross. His blood was dripping down the wood of the cross into the ground, as you see in some paintings. And so St. Longinus, right after he had confessed everything, he took that earth that had absorbed it and kept it as a precious relic. And so from there, he went forth and he didn't want to be in the army anymore because you had to, you know, worship the false gods of the Romans. And so he left the army and he went forth into the world and he wanted to tell everybody about what happened to him. So here, you know, when you pray to St. Longinus, right, as an intercessor, you have somebody who really loves the Sacred Heart, who is so devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and who is so grateful to Our Lady. He knew that his conversion was brought forth by the prayers of Our Lady. 
And so here, St. Longinus is a perfect example for us, and we should pray to him always that we may have true devotion to the most precious blood of our Lord. July 1st is the feast, actually, of the most precious blood of our Lord. And on this feast day, we commemorate all of the things that happened on Good Friday. And so that's why the litany of the precious blood is most fittingly said on Fridays of July. And also, we must know about St. Longinus that we still have um, this beautiful memory encapsulated in the great basilica of St. Peter's. And so in that area right around the altar, we have, for example, St. Andrew's cross there. And here we also have St. Veronica and her veil. And these are huge, huge statues of marble. And they are commemorating all of these things with regards to the crucifixion. And so here we have Veronica's veil. Then on one side of the main altar of St. Peter, you have St. Longinus with his huge spear commemorating the transfixion of our Lord. And so really, these things have been immortalized in the art of our church also and in sculpture, but also in paintings. And here we see again that we have to develop great devotion to St. Longinus in the month of July, the Litany of the Precious Blood, and also to remember that when the Sacred Heart is transfixed, we also have to connect that transfixion with the transfixion of Our Lady's Heart. So in other words, when the Sacred Heart is pierced through, also, the Immaculate Heart of Mary is pierced through, right? We always, we don't forget, we forget that, you know, here when our Lord's heart is transfixed, really the one who feels all the pain, even though our Lord's body does not feel the pain, the one who instead feels all the pain is Our Lady, you know, so that's immense pain. So this is very important in the spiritual life to remember also that when we hurt our Lord, Right? We also hurt Our Lady. When we commit sins against the Sacred Heart of Jesus, we also commit sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And so here we have to make reparation constantly for the sins committed against the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but then always connect that with the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, because their hearts are always, always, always one. And so, how do we do this? We must go to confession. And so, let us speak about the beauty of confession and its beautiful connection to the sacred and most beautiful blood of our Lord. So, in confession, we must make a good confession by at least saying all of our mortal sins in number and kind. Every Catholic should know this. This is very, very important. And so here, if you've committed a mortal sin, right, this means a sin that is grave and you know it, that it's a mortal sin, and you will it, okay, that it's a mortal sin. Here, when that happens, you are cut off from the life of the Blessed Trinity. You do not have the life of the Blessed Trinity within you. You are spiritually dead. And so here, when you go to confession, you need to confess all your mortal sins, not just some of them. And you can't be vague. You can't just say, you know, I, you know, stole a big amount of money, right? You have to say how many times you did it and, you know, 
um, you know, as much as you can, how much you stole, right? Because $3 is different than $300,000. And so you want to make sure that you get the sin completely out. And so you want to confess your mortal sins in kind and number. Every single Catholic should know that since they're seven years old. So make sure you teach that to your children. Make sure you teach that to your friends, right? Or else your confession is not valid, okay? So make sure you confess all your sins, right? All your mortal sins in kind and number. So for example, a very, very uh, big one today is not going to Mass on Sundays through your own fault. And so make sure that you say, I didn't go to Mass on Sundays through my own fault this many number of times, right? So you can't just say, I miss Mass, you know, and that's it, right? You have to say how many times, as much as you can remember, and then that will clear everything out. Now here, this is really important in confession because in order to have uh, the confession valid, right, you have to say that, right, all the mortal sins in number and kind. You can also say your venial sins, but it's not necessary. It's a good idea too uh, because you gain the grace of confession to fight those uh, sins if they ever, if they come up again. But in order to have a valid confession, you need to do all these things and then you will have the blood of Jesus wash over your soul. Okay, this is very important. When the words of absolution are said, namely, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, or in Latin, ego te absolvo a peccatis tuis in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. That's what St. Padre Pio would have said, or St. Therese would have heard, right? When those words are said, the blood of Jesus washes over your soul and cleans it. This is super, super, super important to realize. You know, people are just um, not even understanding that what's happening is that the blood of Jesus, which is the price of our salvation, is washing our soul clean of sin so that we are clean as on the day of our baptism. And so here we are cleansed, right? Our garments are made white by the blood of the lamb. And not only that, okay, it's very important to realize that it's not only that. Confession does not only just wipe away the sins, but it also does something positive. It also strengthens you because the blood of Christ then seeps into your soul and strengthens you. It's the lifeblood. It's nourishment, right? The blood of Christ washes but it's also nourishment for our soul. And so this is why the Eucharist, which is our nourishment, right? When we receive the host, right? We receive the whole Jesus. And then we also receive his precious blood too. So in confessions, for example, if you get angry all the time, right? So you say, oh, I got angry. You know, I said these curse words, etc." right? You confess those sins, The blood of Jesus washes your sins away. And not only that, the blood of Jesus then seeps into your soul so that you can be strengthened. You're marked with the blood of Christ and you are strengthened by that nourishment so that the next time you are going to get angry, right? You are given a sacramental grace, right? By the precious blood of Christ. The sacramental grace is the grace particular to each sacrament. So here, the sacramental grace of confession is that you are able to fight 
that sin of which you have a tendency towards. So it could be bad words, it could be anger, it could be to sadness, it could be to whatever, right? And here we see that the blood of Christ then strengthens us and nourishes us so that we can be fortified. So the next time that we are fighting against that sin, then we are in a better position. That's why we even want to confess our venial sins, because here the blood of Christ will then strengthen us and give us that sacramental grace in order to fight against that next occasion when the venial sin comes up. If we're getting angry, if we're getting distracted in prayer, if we are becoming weak in the flesh, etc., all of those things, then the blood of Christ gives us strength. And so here, whenever the priest says those words, I absolve you from your sins, realize what a powerful moment that is. This is a great act of faith that you can really know that and believe that the precious blood of our Lord is washing every single corner of you, right? Every single corner of you. No corner of the soul is left undone. When God gives you a bath, right, it's a full bath, right? It's going to do everything. And so it's very important to realize how marvelous this gift of confession is, especially at those words right there of absolution. Then let us finally see the precious blood in the Eucharist, which is the sacrament of sacraments. And so when we receive the host, let's remember too, that we receive the whole Christ, every particle of Christ, every particle of the host is fully Christ. That means that it includes his precious blood too. And so when you receive the host, you receive the most precious body of our Lord, but also his most precious blood. And so you receive that blood into you. Now remember that the blood is not able to be eaten in the Old Testament because that's the life. We spoke about this before. The lifeblood of the animals belongs to God. Life is sacred, right? Here we must remember all life is God's. And here God was preparing us to really show us how precious blood is so that he could finally, when he sent his son, give his son's precious blood for us to drink and to be our very nourishment so that the blood of Christ can, as it were, flow in our veins. Let us thank the Blessed Virgin Mary from whose blood the precious blood came forth. We must always remember that from her body, the human nature of Christ came forth. And thus, the precious blood of our Lord comes forth from her most beautiful, beautiful blood. And so she is truly to be called the mother of the Eucharist. And so every time we receive the Eucharist, let us remember that we are receiving the very lifeblood of Christ and that his blood then flows through our veins and that we are then filled with the very divine life of God through the mediation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let us also finally see in the symbol of the wine. Remember, the wine in its substance is no longer there in the most blessed sacrament of the altar, but only the properties of the wine. And so that means the red, um, the liquidy uh, character of the wine, etc. But the substance of the wine is not there. The blood of Christ is there instead. So why did God choose to use wine so that he could transform that wine into his blood. 
The whole reason is because if you've ever had wine before, right, it enlarges your veins and the wine allows your blood to rush through your body even more, right? And so you even get hotter, right, because the blood is everywhere. It also makes you more sociable and so you talk more and here the charity is kind of flowing as it were. And so as you see, when wine is used as the symbol, and remember the wine is changed into the blood of Christ. Wine was used because here God wants to show us that he wants our whole being to dilate and open up and become warm by his precious blood. And here he wants our entire being to just rush with his entire beautiful, precious blood everywhere in us. We can't live without blood. And so here we must receive this most precious sacrament with all of this in mind that his precious blood takes us completely over so that all we are indeed is his precious blood. So all glory and honor to be his most, to his most precious blood and to the immaculate heart of Mary. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. You've been listening to The Beauty of Our Catholic Heritage with Father Jacob Shea. If this program has been a blessing to you, please encourage others to listen as well. For more information, visit spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. May God be with you this day and always. Listening to the Spirit Filled Radio Network. How can we encourage you? It's the feeling you get when you see a familiar face in a crowd of strangers. It's the way the embrace of a loved one feels after a hard day. That feeling is comfort, and it's what we provide to families who turn to O'Connor Mortuary in their moment of need. More than just providing quality funeral service, we provide the necessary guidance and support to help Catholic families and people of all faiths and cultures process grief and heal their hearts. We are here to help every step of the way. For compassionate comforts in a time of loss, call O'Connor Mortuary in Laguna Hills. You can reach us at 949-581-4300. That's 949-581-4300. O'Connor Mortuary is a sponsor partner of Spirit-Filled Radio. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.